Welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Today we will be discussing Alphabet Squadron by author Alexander Freed with our fellow co-hosts Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. And that takes it over to you, Chad. This is just your weekly reminder, I guess weekly, reminder that uh, this is a book club not a review show. So uh, we expect you to have either read the material coming in or to not care about spoilers. We also, in our conversation, may be discussing other things in the Star Wars universe. Uh, so spoiler for that, too. Uh, Ryan, did is anything of note happen since we last talked? It's Star Wars. Something's always going on. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it never <laughs> stops. No, it doesn't. Um. So going down the list in toy news this week, we're not going to go into the depth on the toy stuff. Um, if you want to hear about all the new Star Wars toy announcements, um, head over to the main podcast that episode that recently came out and me and Dave talk about all the new announcements and some of the stuff going on in Hasbro. So we'll save it for over there. Um, I sec- always listen. To, I always listen to those because uh, I don't know much about the toys. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like to listen to them and, and find all the things that I'm not going to spend my money on, but I really want to. And this one is a lot of things you probably will not spend your money on. It's not yeah. been good. No. Um, the Temple Challenge started. Have any of y'all watched the Temple Challenge? I have not. I, I saw ads for it, and it did not look like something <laughs> I needed to see. It is something. I, you know, it's it's a little kid show. It's like it, it's almost in the vein of uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Like the production kind of reminds me of that, uh, but you know it's hosted by Mod Best. It's entertaining. It's great for a kids show, but I like they're kind of doing things like that. They're a little more expanded for young kids, so I definitely recommend just checking it out. I mean, you probably won't want to be a regular watcher of it, but it's worth seeing. Uh, another new celebration has been moved. Uh, celebration, like most big cons, is canceled um and will not be back so dragon con still happening right it is mm-hmm. right <laughs> as of right now dragon con is still Technically happening. it's happening but i no don't know way. how many people are going to be there no yep uh in other news actually today when we were recording this podcast they announced there's going to be yet another publishing initiative for the mandalorian um it's kind of unclear what some of it is. There's an adult novelization. It doesn't specifically say that it's an adaptation of season one. I'm assuming it is. Uh, it's just because, called The Mandalorian. Right. Yeah. And the junior novelization says that it's okay. an adaption. So I'm guessing that's what it is. But they're going to do that. There's going to be some new comic tie-ins for The Mandalorian. Um and that's going to come out, I believe it's in October. Um, it's this fall. So it's, cr- fall. it's this year. Okay. Yeah, okay. they're cramming a lot of stuff in this year. Um, and speaking of stuff they're cramming in, Higher Public did publish a chapter of the book. I know none of us read it to save it. And I don't ever – do you all ever read chapters of books when they come out like that? I, I did it with The Winds of Winter. Winds of Winter, <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, because <laughs> – it's you just never gonna take come out. Yeah. So I just read the the chapters that were released just to have something to read because I know I'll never get the book. But otherwise, yeah. no. 
Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, the same way. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw Charles Charles Soul uh, push published uh, posted the the um the chapter on Twitter, and I thought that was really cool, but I, I didn't read it. I didn't read it. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, and then in our segment on rumors <laughs> that I love so much, there's two big rumors currently going around. Um, one is that the Ezra casting is officially underway. Um, that is from a more legitimate source that has had some things pretty right in the past. Uh, but what makes the Ezra casting interesting is that they are casting someone 30 to 40 years old. Um Huh. Okay. So Wait, Shia LaBeouf. Got you it. didn't. You didn't get this from we got this covered, right? <laughs> I I do not get things from we got this okay. covered. <laughs> to be fair, no one gets anything from there. Yeah. They, they just think they do. So you know, it it kind of backs up. Are we gonna skip Ezra and Thrawn doing whatever Ezra and Thrawn are doing and kind of pick him up later? Um, Thirty to forty years. Puts him pretty close to the Mandalorian timeline. Um, Does he? Roughly. No. Well, I mean, I guess not. Well, 30, I mean, 40 years. What What are we saying he is when he disappears? Like 16, 17, I guess 18? I like 17, so 24. So it's a little after. Um, yeah. You know, so we'll see. It Obviously, they're gearing up to put everybody together. So that continues. And then the big rumor that is... It's rumblings, and you know you hear things like this from time to time. But it seems I think like I know what you're gonna say. Go ahead. Getting some various sources is that there's a currently a war within Disney um, to undo the Last Jedi and the new sequel. Um, basically, with Kennedy on one side and on the other, they're say they won't say who it is, but we all know it's probably Filoni and. Um, uh, what's his face? Favreau. Um, and that they're going to do it using the world between worlds from Rebels. I don't buy it. I don't think they would do it. As movies? I, it doesn't say. Yeah, as movies, no damn way. I could see yeah. a, I could see a kind of, um, what were those called? Star Wars Infinities? Is that what those were called? Those comics that were like what ifs? Yeah. Um, where it was like, well, what if, uh, you know, Luke had missed his shot at the Death Star or something like that? And it, it was basically a Marvel what if story. Yeah. Uh, and those were kind of cool, but this would be a little more. Anyway, it feels it feels super entitled by people that want this to happen, in my opinion. But that's a whole nother, you know, thing, whatever. Uh, I, I don't believe it for a second. Yeah, I don't think they'll actually do it. No. And then in video game news, we've had two video game well, one video game announcement and one video game release. Uh, episode one, Racer, the old classic pod racing game, has been released uh, for the major systems and on the computer. You know, if awesome. you've never played Racer, it's super fun. It's super yeah, I, did, fun. I didn't know. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, so it's back. It's remastered. Um, it parts it on of PlayStation. It, yeah. Oh, neat. Um, parts of it look a little funky where they updated some of the graphics, but it's still a fun game. And then the big Star Wars video game announcement is EA Squadrons. So they are going to release a – it's a spaceship fighter game. This looks like finally a true successor to the TIE Fighter X-Wing games. Um, you know, where in the past we got 
fighter levels in main console releases uh you know you didn't have as much control as you did in those other games ea squadrons is going to bring back being able to do things like divert power upgrade your ship all that stuff you used to be able to do um it's going to have a single player kind of story mode but it seems the one they're pushing is this multiplayer so your squads of five rebellion five empire um and there's a bunch of different multiplayer ways to play it uh it looks really fun it looks great um it's going to be vr capable the whole game uh which i'm really looking forward to because i've if you've played the vr the one little level they had on battlefront 2 it's super fun but it's real short um east quadrants is only going to be 40 bucks the rumor is is because it's not very big um and PlayStation tends to do that with the VR games. Like uh, Iron Man comes out this week, and it's also forty dollars because it's a shorter game. But I'm okay with that. You know, with a with a fighting game like that, you know, just give me some maps, and I'll just play forever. I'm not right, a big playable. multiplayer yeah. fan. I don't like playing with people. But I don't like people. Yeah, I, I like playing with people I know. Playing with strangers, no. Yeah, but I, I mean, it looks gorgeous. And I don't like playing multiplayer because every single person's better than me. Yeah, that's how I am too. <laughs> it's like every single person I play with is that I get online with randomly is going to be better than me. So I don't yeah. like it. And I always feel a little bit of guilt. Like, oh man, yeah. I suck. Here I come. Like, <laughs> anytime I've ever jumped on a game of Call of Duty or something in the past, I'd be like, I know, guys, I know, I yeah. know. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I just want to have fun. And you know, they're just, oh, I'm getting, you know, I, I'm yeah, not I'm, a I'm, not a Go Call ahead. of Duty person. I quit playing. This is how long ago I quit playing multiplayer online. When I got on Left 4 Dead 2 in multiplayer, and some, I'm assuming it's a 12 year old, called me a fag and shot me in the head. <laughs> and Sounds that was, right. that was, I was done. No, we more, had, no more strangers. We had that little time where we were playing Left 4 Dead, like me and you and Hoffman. That was fun. Yeah, it was you, me, Hoffman. I think Keith played with us sometimes. Yeah. So maybe if we if we all get this game, we can all play it again. Yes. And we can get smoked by the other team of twelve year olds. <laughs> so they put out a uh, they put out a, a gameplay trailer. Yeah. Uh, for it of, of actual in game footage. Uh, what did you guys think of it? I think it looks beautiful. Um. I think it's weird they're not pushing the VR so much. Like, in the trailer, like, I had to rewind it because real fast it goes by and says, and it's all playable in VR, and then they just keep going. And I was like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, that is what I'm here for. I played a lot of Rogue Squadron back in the day, so I was very excited to hear about this, but also to see how beautiful it is. But I agree, they they brushed past the VR. I'm like, wait, but tell me more about that, because this could be the thing that actually gets me into VR. I know a lot of people saying that. Yeah, I mean, because and PlayStation, I mean, that means this summer, at least on PlayStation VR, they'll have this game and Vader Immortal is coming to the PlayStation. Oh, is it? I've played that. I've played that on, yeah. uh, on Oculus. I... Uh, people do forget there was a, a I was a TIE Fighters, one of my favorite video games of all time. And there was a sequel to it other than like the uh, much later on when uh, the Star Wars Galaxies MMO 
launched mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. I was playing that game, and if originally it launched without space, which seemed really weird for Star Wars. And then they released their, fir- their, their first major expansion. The only true major expansion of that game was one called, uh, um, uh, I forget, but it was the Space Battle one. And it played a lot like TIE Fighter. Oh, did it, did it have lot. like all the adjusts yeah. and all that? Mess? Yeah, and you know, and, and it still had MMO stuff, so you had still had skills you could spam and stuff. But mm-hmm. it was much more like Tie Fighter than, and I think that unfortunately that part of the game never really took off, and the game ended up failing. But the uh, so I always thought the space stuff didn't get enough love. I think it could have been so much better, but it, it really was like that. Um, I've been talking since EA got the license that I wanted this game. Um, that I that I needed a VR. Star Wars dogfighting game. Is this the game? I don't know yet because I haven't played it, (laughs) but it looks like it. And uh, the fact that I could put on a helmet and look around in my cockpit and see a TIE fighter next to me or see the damage on my engine. Now, have you played the level in Battlefront 2, the VR? I have not. I have not. No, I have not. It's so great. I mean, you don't have a lot of I mean, you can basically thrust and you can shoot. You know, there's not a lot of there's no changing shields or anything, but. It is amazing to like look around and see everything, and and that's just like a little add-on they did. So I'm sure this will be a thousand times better. And the trailer, um, the, the trailer also has a couple of characters in it mm-hmm. that, that are cool to see. We have a, a particular uh, green-skinned Twilight general mm-hmm. who shows up, and then uh, who else is it? Um, oh, Ray Sloan shows up, right? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, she does. Yeah. After I recognized Hera, I didn't recognize anybody else. Yeah, Ray I got Sloan. Got all excited because of Hera. I was like, oh, I'm totally playing the single player of this. Yeah, Ray Sloan from the uh, Aftermath books. Um, uh, the what is she? Is she a Grand Admiral? I think. I don't know at this point. Yeah. yeah, she ends up, but I don't know if she is it. Well, I guess she must be because this takes place. I think it's post-Return of the Jedi, isn't it? It it is. It's in this – and we're going to talk about this when we get to the book today. It's in this period that they're really pushing right now, which is between Jedi and Jedi. Mm -hmm. Between Endor Endor and Jedi is an era they're really pushing at the moment. Um, You know, where it can be post-movies, but there's still Rebellion versus Empire is basically what they they want, right? Is those aesthetics of X-Wing shooting TIE fighters, but it being after the movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, I thought that was interesting that they are setting it uh, during that time period. I think it all has to do with the I forget the name of the system because I'm tired, but the um, Mon Mothma's planet, Chandrilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the whole story takes place in that sector, um, and it involves the the creation of a class of starship, Starhawk class of starship, and uh, there's a whole. Uh, it, actually, all the char- a lot, not all of them, but some of the character profiles are already up on Star Wars Databank. If people want to go read them, um, uh, you can get a little bit of info about the ships and the squadrons that are going to be duking it out in the game. Well, Leg- Legends books cover or the EU covered a lot of this stuff back in the day, but canon-wise, we've we've had next to nothing about what happened between Jedi and the First Order coming to be. Beth, that's that's because you haven't read Aftermath. <laughs> and just read it for that. Just read it. I can't. The Aftermath trilogy. Style. The Aftermath oh. trilogy is literally from Return of the Jedi to the Battle of Jedi. <laughs> There's so many periods. Every sentence is like two words long. 
and I can't do it. But <laughs> you could join us in our love for Snap Wexley. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Let me tell you about Snap and Nora. I, and Nora. And Mr. Bones. Um, I, will that's not the the, I will look into getting the audiobooks, but I can't actually physically bring myself to read it. Uh, it's uh, yeah. So so that it is in that era that they're kind of covering. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. I think it looks rad. Uh, I hope my stomach can handle the VR because um, that might be a little intense, uh, but it'll still be playable without it. And uh, I do believe the PC version or uh, any version is going to support flight sticks. Ah, I didn't think about that. Uh, which is awesome, because I'm definitely going to buy a flight stick for it. Because um, uh, I had one when I was a kid to play TIE Fighter. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, and I'll say this to Disney, and this is free, or EA, whoever's making the decisions. This is, I'm giving, I'm telling you how to get my money. Release a special edition, two special editions, one with an X-Wing helmet, and one with a TIE Fighter helmet that the VR headset fits into. Mm-hmm. Just saying, I'll pay the 400 bucks, or whatever it is. I would totally pay that too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm just saying, if you want my money, that's an idea to give me my money to get my money. Um, another thing that happens in the game, uh, in the game, is that there are actually uh, uh, the book that we read today actually makes references uh, to things in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, so, why don't we go ahead and start talking about our book for today? And uh, Ryan can tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, let me get my notes for the Alphabet Squadron. All right, so with the X-Wing series thrown to the legacy bin, Alphabet Squadron by Alexander Freed brings together all your favorite rebel stereotypes to once again show no matter what you were told, the Empire didn't crumble after Return of the Jedi. Starring Erica Quell, an ex-Imperial X-Wing pilot whose loyalty is questioned, Kairos, the mysterious masked U-Wing pilot, Will, the young hotshot A-Wing pilot who's lost his squadron, Nath, bitter rebellion veteran, Y-Wing pilot who's been drawn back in, and Chas, the V-Wing pilot with nothing to live for. They all have a neatly packaged reason to go against the Empire, but will they learn to trust each other and get over the past to take down yet another of the many squads of elite Units within the Empire, the Shadow Squadron, led by somebody's grandma. After the media tie-in <laughs> of Operation everybody's, he's everybody's grandma. <laughs> After the tie-in media event, Operation Cinder, Harrison Dola brings together this ragtag crew to stop the Shadow Wing from terrorizing hyperspace lanes, which I'm still not really sure how they work. Will the mystery of the floating Empire head robot be solved? Will revenge cause them to give in to temptation and kill an old lady? Is there a a traitor in their midst? Can the Alphabet Squadron finally put an end to the tyranny of the Empire? Is Karis going to be an old character with a shocking reveal? Where the hell is Jason Solo? Don't worry, if this book doesn't have all the answers, two more are still coming out. First of all, you mean Jason Sandula, right? Yeah, oh, what would I say? Said Jason Solo. Oh, you know what? I said that, and I made sure to write Sandola and underline it because every time I say Jason Sandola, I say Solo. I'm so like used to that name. Next week we're going to introduce you as Ryan Snark. I tell you. <laughs> and uh, uh, but yeah, no, that's uh, that's a that's a pretty good summation of what we got here. Um, we're going to talk about Snake Eyes. I mean Karos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at some so- point. I mean, really, Alphabet Squadron is new canon's answer to the X-Wing series. Um, 
Now, will you, do you like, are you a fan of the X-Wing books by Stackpole and Alston? I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the comics. And too. I ended up really liking Alphabet Squadron a lot. It kind of, you know, we've talked about it. I really like Rebellion stuff without Force and Jedi. Um, yeah. It's some of my favorite Star Wars stuff. Uh, so it really kind of met that like I have. Um I think they did enough interesting stuff with it, though, that it really stands apart from the X-Wing books. I don't know. What do you all think about it? I I don't know the old stuff that you guys are talking about. I don't remember reading any of that, and I haven't read any of the comics. I, I feel like the stuff that happened in this book was interesting, but if you're setting up a series, I need characters that i can care about a little bit more yeah i one thing i found interesting about it and i think one thing that kind of sets it apart is a lot of times when stars have done these kind of ragtag squadron type books a lot of times they're like misfits that are thrown together people that don't really like fit in anywhere else a Um, lot of times all right every every time every the time (laughs) Whereas this is different, I think. Um, there's not a lot of humor. You know, all the pilots that are there outside of Karis, who we don't really know a lot about yet. She really wants to kill stuff. Yeah, it's exactly. all based on tragedy. Like, they have all had just crap either done to them or exposed to. Well, more, more than one are ex-Imperials, right? Right. So Quill uh, is... Yeah, Erica's um, ex-imperial. Yeah. Well, Nath, Nath is ex-imperial, too. And Nath is, yeah. Right. And it sets up a really cool dynamic, too, because Nath, Nath is an ex-imperial who left because he doesn't like the Empire. He's, you know, that— He left oh, before He left before Alderaan. Right. Yeah. Um, he sees what's going on. You know, he's more of the stereotypical, oh, I can't trust the Empire anymore. It's wrong. Versus Quill, who really only leaves because her commanding officer tells her to. Yeah. Um, now, she questions stuff they did, and you know, we'll talk about Operation Sender in a little while, but I think it's interesting, and I found her character really cool because she is still an Imperial. Um, and throughout the book, you know, she's constantly comparing. This is not what we would have done. This is ridiculous the way they do things. Um, and they kind of, you know, hold that that she was ordered to leave and go to the rebellion to the end of the book. But I found that really interesting that she's not a convert for most of the book. Well, that's well, one she, thing I really go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, what's one thing I really liked about this book? Um, I think Beth and I had the same reaction, which is I didn't care about this book until Hera showed up. Um, yeah. I was fine with it, but I prefer the second half of this book, and I am looking forward to the sequel, and I did like the book, but I like the book because I like the second half. Uh-huh. Um, the first half I found to be a little unengaging. I did, however, like the fact that, and we've hit on this and other stuff, the idea of now that the, now that the re- rebellion has won, or is close to it, what does it mean to now that they have to govern um, a, a, a group of upstart rebels are now in charge of things. It's different to govern. Um, there's actually, a, I think a whole song in Hamilton about that, but the idea that, that 
that all of a sudden these people that have, have been fighting this guerrilla war are asked to make these decisions that are going to affect the galaxy on a much wider thing. I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I like tra- Traitor's Remorse, mm-hmm. the, uh, the idea of this place where ex-imperials are held until we figure out what to do with them. Um, and I like the idea of Eureka was you can judge like each each shuttle of new Imperial defectors that came into Traitor's Remorse, this camp. Uh, were looked down upon more because they were the one they held out more. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was an interesting little dynamic. Um, I just thought that they, I, uh, I think, I think they should. I think that that Freed took a little too long to get the team together. He spent too long trying to get us to care about the individual members of the team um, when we could have done that in the context of them working together, probably a little faster. That's all. Well, I kind of wondered if that wasn't. A conscious choice, though, to kind of knowing you're going to have three books. Right. And for a lot of this book, they're not a team whatsoever. Yeah, they still operate very independently. And that's a big thing with Erica, too, you know, kind of on her in her plot is that she doesn't socialize with them. She doesn't interact with them. And, you know, Hera has talks with her about it. But they really don't feel cohesive for all, pretty much all the book. Yeah, yeah. Well, and no, I, I, I still question heavily Erica's whole characters because she wanted to become a rebel. Like that was her whole childhood dream was to I want to go learn to fly, and it's so I can become a rebel. But then she goes when she's ordered to and i'm still confused as to her whole motivation like is is this a true turn for her or is she acting under some kind of wacky orders and you don't see enough of her inner dialogue like the way she separates herself from the team throughout the entire book like i just i don't feel like i know where she's coming from and whether or not you want to be a series, you have to, if that's your main character, I, I should probably care about her a little bit. Yeah. Now, I, I think I, that's definitely going to come back into play. You know, I I'm think sure it will. I won't be surprised if we don't see either in the next book. And for listeners, the second book is out. None of us have read it yet, um, but it just came out. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get a we find out what the rest of her orders were. I'm sure yeah. in true Star Wars fashion, she will turn them down after almost uh, doing them. I was um, – no, you, you're right. I thought the, the, the idea, though, that she had thought about being a rebel and then wasn't – was a little bit of a cop-out for the mm. character. It just felt like a little bit of a like, well, we got to make sure we put – that we have to make sure people know that she's really a good guy. Mm-hmm. And I felt that was a little bit of a cop-out when we could have just let it be a little more ambiguous and – and, and the fact is that in this situation, it's also survival, right? It's either, you know, it, it's joining the winning side <laughs> or, you know, stay in jail or something for my war crimes. And, and so I thought that was interesting. One character I, I thought it, I wanted to mention was uh, was a Cairn Adon. He's the it's is it basically uh, he's just uh, like a, a, a poor man's Cassian Andor. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Okay. He he yeah. was a drunk Cassie Nandor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was it was very very clear that that was the basis for this character, um, or, or that they were going off of that as the what an alliance intelligent agent. 
I mean, his his Wikipedia Wikipedia page actually says Adon was partial to Carillion red wine. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not wrong there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about Kyra. So you said before, yeah. you know, she's she's snake eyes, basically. Yeah, but she's she's the character that's interesting to me is because we don't know anything about her. By the end of the book, we we know that she is scary as hell. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. She so does who, feel like I uh, take her mask off and she's Zori, you know, Zori or something. Well, then that's what I'm waiting for. Do you all have any <laughs> theories on who you think she might be? I'm hoping she's not anybody. I, yeah. I don't need there to be a neat tie-in to everything. We've already got Hera. I feel like that's a good enough tie-in. I'm all for making new characters and bringing new ideas into the Star Wars universe, so I don't feel like everybody has to be somebody. Mm-hmm. See, I'm technically for that, but I didn't really get into this book until a character showed up that I knew. So it's kind of hard for me to say that I want new characters but I when feel I have like hard the reason- time caring about the new characters until I- Hera showed up. I feel like the reason I didn't care about these characters is because they weren't well fleshed out. Like, it's a well-written book, and it's a good book, and good, you know, cool stuff happens in it, but the characters were not well-written, and I feel like, you know, in the next book, we probably will get that, and Mm -hmm. we'll get more background on them and find out more about who they are, but if this were a standalone, this would be a thumbs-down for me. So, my money is on that she's a Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's possible. I don't what? know if she's gonna everybody, be everybody is. So why not? Yeah, I don't know if she's gonna be one we know, or right. you know, if she's baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. <laughs> if they hadn't cast her, I would all I would probably in the this is Bo Katan and what she's doing now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I don't think okay, that Bo-Katan. I could actually get behind. <laughs> Anything to get more Bo Katan? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I found it was I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, there wasn't except I, I did like this book one of the but it, it doesn't break any new ground. Um Alexander Freed seems to be the guy they bring in for military ish stuff. Right. Uh-huh. He did um he did the Battlefront Twilight Squadron book. He did the Rogue One novelization. Uh-huh. So he seems to be a guy that they're using to tell these kind of down to earth stories. Well um, and he military stories. I think he's the one that originally wrote about – or at least had some of the ideas about Operation Cinder mm-hmm. um, because Operation Cinder you know, is – it's in Battlefront. Um, it's in the Shattered Empire Marvel comic, um, and so you know, Operation Cinder is that – it's like the Emperor's final plans. He had many final plans apparently. It's his, <laughs> giant, it's his giant middle finger to the galaxy. Yeah. We're just going to kill – Everything. Well, how many weird droids did he send out to Imperial? Okay, let's talk about that. Let's yeah. talk about that. How many weird droids did he send out to issue orders to people? And everybody's grandmother was just like, all right, whenever you say weird droid, let's do it. <laughs> but the problem is it's not even issuing orders. It just kind of floats there and watches. <laughs> it just sits there. This whole book, there's a there's a robot with Palpatine's face and it just sits there. Well, no, it gave her an order when it showed up. Yeah. Originally, but not in the book. But no, not in the book. Like when it showed up, it gave her an order, and she went. And then and it, it just dies. And, it just sits there. and then gets no, blown it, up. I mean, it rolls she, around once. Well, she gets blown up, right? Well, she yeah. dies. So. But how many how many other weird 
weird droids are sitting out there on Star Destroyers somewhere. Is that like we've the seen only that one? image before, haven't we? Where we've seen that image before was that in Battlefront? We have. Yeah, it's in Battlefront too. Yeah. It's in two. We've seen them. I imagine like every Star Destroyer just has like a weird closet. The door's always nobody. locked, <laughs> and nobody knows what's behind the door. <laughs> they all talk about it, and then one day all of a sudden it opened, and weird Sentinel floating head robot came out. Palpatine's face on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 kind of bizarre. Um, yeah, it, it's a little bizarre. I I, I did like how this book approached. You know, the sequel trilogy did this a little bit, especially in Force Awakens. How it approached the idea of what people think of the Jedi in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact in this book, they kind of say, like, not everybody believes or knows that Luke Skywalker was a Jedi. People still have these beliefs about Jedi betraying the Republic. Um, they, they're not that big of a deal to people because, you know, one of the criticisms that's been leveled at the entire saga is that it seems like the galaxy forgets about the Jedi real quick. How can Luke not know what a Jedi Knight is? You know, and so I think they've done a lot of work to uh, to show us that, you know, Palpatine's uh, propaganda machine worked, mm-hmm. you know. And, well, but they go to the temple and yeah. they get the star show. <laughs> you know, they go to the planetarium. Yeah. The planetarium. You would think at that point you would start believing like these guys had something going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you do. It's just it was uh, it was definitely an attempt to tell a uh, like you said, a, a grounded story without lightsabers and Jedi, mm-hmm. um, you know, with a much more military uh, bent to it. What did you guys think of the action, though? The actual, because one thing that the the, the Stackpole and Alston novels were really uh, good at was this kind of muscular action when it came to the um, this dog fighting. You know, it was almost this kind of, I don't know, it really, really jumped off the page and really felt uh, lean and, and, and exciting. I didn't find the star combat in this that exciting. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely not... It's not Stackpole. Yeah, you can't visualize it as well as you could in those books. And in some cases, they seem to skip over some stuff real fast. Like, and then we blew it up, and then it just moves on. You know what I could visualize really well? Minefields. They spent (laughs) way too much time talking about minefields. It's a lot of minefields. A lot of minefields, and I feel like they should have put a little bit more description into the actual fighting than how to avoid a minefield. I, I just felt, yeah, I, I agree with Ryan. They, they did seem to skip, like, they, I mean, you know, I can't necessarily fault them for caring more about the characters than the action. But uh, I, I wanted a little more, like, almost uh, fetishistic detail <laughs> about the space combat. And there was a little bit of that uh, about the systems and the ships and the droids and everything. Um what do you guys, uh, Ryan? Do you have any more questions? I'm sorry, I keep asking questions. Do you have Do you have anything you wanted to bring up? Uh, let's see. We can move on to. Well, uh, let's move well, on to. Can, can I oh, just talk about the combat again, real quick? Sure. Because because my main issue with the combat was each of these pilots is fighting a in a different type of ship. Yes. So I don't feel like. To see all these different types of ships working together, there was enough of the combat brought into that right up until the very end when they kind of started to bring it together a little bit and use all the different strengths and weaknesses of the ships together. But even then, they still didn't do a good enough job. I feel like for there to be an alphabet squadron of ships, they should have spent more time on those different ships. And somebody please... 
for the love of God, explain to me why a B-Wing is still a viable ship. I, I think they wrote the B-Wing really good. <laughs> and you kind of see why the B-Wing is – some people like it. It's you know, it, it's, it's a tank. Tough. Yeah, it's a tank. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I uh, – I, what, that's what I was going to ask is what we thought about the actual literal alphabet squadron. Like, is there a tactical advantage to having one of each type of rebel ship or is it just make a cool graphic on the cover of the book? I think we'll probably see more of that in the other books when they start to learn to, you know, work together more and use their advantages. Um, Are you saying by the end of the book, they start to grow to respect each other after not I, liking each other? I tell you what. <laughs> This yeah. book is full of stereotypes. Yeah. But yeah. I read Star Wars for those things. It's not no, like, absolutely, absolutely. It's not like Star Wars is this like avant-garde of new characters. And no, new no. And then you, but then you, but there is a point you get in the book and you're like, oh, this is the part where she starts to learn about how to be a leader. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. All right. All right, these two characters are bonding. These two characters are bonding. All right, yeah. yeah. It did reinforce. Yeah. I really like the U-Wing. It's one oh, of my favorite shows. Yeah. But it also that's good because in squadrons, there's U-wings, but not B-wings. Exactly. I was going to say, I've never played a Star Wars pilot game in any mission where they included a (laughs) B-wing. Ever. Which is surprising, because you would think it would be a pretty easy thing to do. You know, the A-wing is fast, the X-wing is balanced. Controlling the B-wing is crazy. Like, I think think there's... They probably just haven't figured out how to realistically simulate controlling it. Spinning around in the little cockpit. Yeah, and maybe in VR it'll just make you sick. <laughs> just keep a bucket next to me while I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll keep going. Like, <laughs> pull your mask off, vomit, put it back on. Uh. <laughs> Not mask. It's a headset. Sorry, I'm, I got masks on the brain. Wear your mask, people. Um, <laughs> wear your damn. So, yeah. well, and before we get into the comic, let's talk about Shadow Wing from the book's perspective. Yep. Uh, you know, I thought individualizing them, you know, they have all these like names for them and they recognize them and the way that they fight. Wow. Yeah. And there's the one, what is it? What do they call it? The one that only has one light to call it like blink. blink. Yeah. Blink or something. Yeah. I thought that was effective. Um, as far as, you know, establishing, this kind of almost relationship with your enemy. But on the other hand, I was thinking like the empire has like thousands and thousands of tie fighters and they're flying pretty fast. Like I just doubted, can you really start to identify them? Maybe you can. I don't know. This fits into that realm of like professions that none of us actually do that. We just assume are like supernaturally good at it or something. You know, it's just like, it, it, it did seem it's, it, it felt like a construction. Now maybe there's some, pilots out there who could do that but it really did feel like a construction wow. um, just just to person like you said just to personalize especially in the end to personalize that battle at the end mm-hmm. so. there's so many ships in this <laughs> yeah. squadron that how how big are the chances that you'd be fighting those same like four guys every single time yeah well, you gotta... yeah i don't know <laughs> Yeah, it is. I mean, I think you're right. It was used to try to make the final battle more personal instead of just because, you know, the book never it it breaks point of view sometimes from the squad, but it never really 
really ne- it doesn't really show you a lot of the Shadow Squadron pilots, right? Like on the ground. Does it show you yeah. any? Yeah, unlike the comic. It doesn't you don't get to know any of them. So yeah, all you have is these nicknames they've given them. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I thought it was fine. I don't know how effective it was. Um, uh, it was more just a placeholder for us so we could follow the action a little better. Yeah, and I guess it let them know they were fighting Shadow Squadron. Instead, like they could say, yep, that's Shadow Squadron. We're fighting them. Yeah. Uh, so the whole book is this quest to get to destroy Shadow Squadron, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the quest of this whole series is just to take out a squadron fighters because they're blocking the hyperspace lanes which for some again, reason we can't go around <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i mean you know hyperspace lanes have been in star wars forever but uh how they, they have they've been there forever and i'm still not 100 percent sure i mean no i guess how just they like highways that they no work. I mean, I know, you know, yeah. Old Republic and all that, there were markers and there were yeah. more like lane lanes versus. The yeah, lanes. they they had people that they, they called hyperspace scouts. Um, right. In fact, the um, the original uh, the Frieden, the uh, Friedenad uprising uh, in the old, old Dark Horse comics uh, was started by uh, partially because of a couple of hyperspace scouts. Uh, hyperspace scouts got lost and ended up in the Sith Empire. Um, and so the, yeah, the hyperspace lanes are supposed to be, um, pre, uh, you know, uh, already navigated and, and charted lanes that ships can go through at maximum speed without having to worry about bouncing into a star or flying too close to a supernova. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so that's what they're, that's what they're supposed to be. You know, you, you know, they're, they're either natural or in some ways created, you know, where they move objects out of the way and stuff or dealing with a galaxy that can do stuff like that where they can be artificially created, I believe. But uh, yeah, I, but, but what a blocking a hyperspace lane means, I don't know. <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> uh, unless you're the Grisk and you have those weird generator thingies. Well, the Empire has them too. The Empire has the interdictor cruisers, uh-huh. um, immobilizer interdictor cruisers that have the big-ass uh, gravity well on them that pulls ships out of hyperspace, but there's no indication that that's what they're doing in this. Uh, they're just a bunch of uh, interceptor pilots. Oh. I mean, you would think if they were blocking it, you could just do some light speed skipping and just get right past <laughs> it. That's a thing now. No, no, it is not. I don't care if it's only po- it only Poe Dameron can do it. Only Poe Dameron can do that. <laughs> Special skill that he has. Um, but yeah. So, what do y'all think about old grandmother? As I mean, I would say she's the villain of the story, as much as there is one. Yeah, it's fairly. Uh, it, it, yeah, she's the only one that has a face that's a bad guy, right? Um, I knew her from the comics because right. I'd read the comics when they came out, so uh, I already knew of her. Uh, so I, I was fine with her. You know, I mean, she wasn't. If, if the tie pilots are are the ones you're trying to get rid of, they take orders. If there's no one to take orders from, what what is the big deal about? shadow squadron if the whole objective had been to take out the leadership from the beginning then they could have just targeted her from the get-go and not worried about the rest of the pilots but they're not assassins they're fighter pilots i i am aware of that i'm i'm not talking about like 
So they got to go in. Sending Alphabet Squadron to get them. But, yeah. you know, there could have been a whole other plan to just take that bitch out. See, that would have been a job for Wraith Squadron back mm-hmm. in Expanded Universe. That would have been a Wraith Squadron uh, mission. Uh, I, I, Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, you know, you could say that they'll just get another leader or they're still super dangerous, you know, without her. Um, but uh, I was actually a little surprised they killed her. Yeah, I was surprised they killed her. Yeah. I'm glad they did. I think narratively it made much more sense and yeah. it made for well, a good scene. And it gives them a victory. Yeah, that's just, yeah, it gives them a win. Yeah. And, um, and I'm assuming their their old boss is coming back from his hiding out in Mud Planet. That yeah. Teso. I mean, I'm assuming Teso is going to take over. So speaking of which, so there is, you know, a comic tie into this where you see the other side. You see the TIE fighter side of it. Kind of. Um, yeah. Kind of. Because it's, 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 well, I guess we don't know any, I guess we don't know who they've fought, gone up against, right? So, mm-hmm. it, like, none of our main characters are the characters from the comics. Yeah. Right. It's a lot Yurka, of them. Yurka shows up. Mm-hmm. And we see, because in the comic, you know, you've got, who all dies? Zen dies. Because she was a traitor to the rebellion. Yeah. Um, Latan, who Latan, if you've read, he's from not only the cadet solo comic, but he's oh. also um, in a deleted scene in the solo movie. Um, and they mention oh. him at one point if you listen. Is he the one that Han saves? Yep. When his when his fighter spins out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I knew him from the uh, I knew him from the solo comic, and just so I would point out, the Star Wars Tie Fighter was uh, written by Jody Hauser and penciled by Roger Antonio, probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, and it was five part book from Marvel that came out uh, like last spring summer, mm-hmm. um, which seems forever ago, but um, uh, and yeah, and it told the tale of some pilots of Shadow Squadron. I was surprised. I mean, like you said, by the end of the comic, most of the pilots you read about are either gone or dead. And so it's not the same Shadow Wing, really, that you're seeing in the book. Um, right. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of weird. Like, Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like it is related, but it's – yeah. Well, I, yeah. I liked the comic, which I just finished today. I actually read all of it today. I, I am a fan of, and I eventually assume we will get to Lost Stars. I like seeing both sides. Yeah. And and not because I'm sympathetic towards the Empire in any way. Don't anybody at me for it. But it's okay. I, there's I, good people on both sides. There's there's people on both sides. And, you know, the overwhelming opinion is to just dehumanize all of the Empire. But those are just people inside those uniforms. So I like getting to see that there are actual people in those uniforms rather than just TK421, he's dead. Mm. I also really like, and I feel they've done this more with new canon than they used to in the Legends books and the old expanded universe. This kind of notion that most of your Imperials believe the Empire is the Republic still, basically. Um, You know, Grandmother calls them separatists most of the time i like that i did like that 
Yeah, and you know, basically thinks that they're just holdovers from the Clone Wars, more or less. Um, and I really like same that. same type of people. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think that helps with that. That you know, the Empire wasn't this evil thing that all of a sudden popped up. You know, they think it's still just you know, New Republic, new name. Um, and one of the characters, what's his name? Um, Gainum. You know, Gainan has that scene with his grandmother, and she kind of says that. You know, it's just a new name. This happens. It'll change again. There'll be a new name. Um, And I think that's kind of the general – it makes a little more sense in the context of the galaxy too. You know, people always question why doesn't the whole galaxy rise up against this evil empire? That's not how people see it. They just kind of change – they rebranded is what they did. They got some slick new uniforms. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They kicked out the religious cult. We're good to go. Yeah, and and that we that when we come in in a New Hope or Rogue One now in a New Hope, that's when things are coming when people are starting to really notice. You know, uh, you know, we can get to the you know, and then eventually they dissolve the Senate and things like that. But mm-hmm. but you're right. I mean, the the fact that Lucas did paint this kind of you know uh, for its for their faults did paint this picture of. Uh, by the way, if you if you, if anyone wants to look, there's a someone on Twitter posted a thing about name one good thing about the star Wars prequels. And Ryan Johnson had an incredibly awesome response to it. Um, if you check it out, but, uh, uh, about how he, how he basically said that Lucas made a seven hour kids movie about how people with good intentions can still fall to fascism through fear and distrust. That was like, huh? Okay. Um, and, and I think that, that one thing he did do well was show this kind of gradual, thing to war people were even confused because clone troopers look like stormtroopers and that was part of the point right mm-hmm. is that they end up becoming the stormtroopers uh so uh i think that's i don't know i think that's a pretty effective way of doing it and it is a much more realistic and not as black and white of a view of the empire um again not to say the empire not to be on the empire side because they do some bad stuff <laughs> A lot of bad stuff, uh, but you're right. The, the the normal person on on a planet, their life probably hasn't changed. Well, and especially if you're in the right. outer rim. If you're in the outer rim, the Republic never messed with you anyway. You didn't have anything to do with the Republic. Yeah, so they didn't how would you even notice? Yeah. I mean, what yeah. what difference did it make to them what it was called? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, and for the rich, it doesn't matter at all. Probably, you know, for the yeah. for the well off, it doesn't matter as much. So, yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Um, I wanted to ask. So this book ends with a little bit of a like teaser cliffhanger. By revealing a character that we haven't that we don't know, <laughs> like by revealing a character that we know his name from the book and also from the comic was it Sonin Kaize, I think is his name. Right. It was like their instructor. Like, or did he lead Shadow Wing or was the, he the instructor? Um, he, I thought he was the boss. Oh, he was just like the head pilot. He, no, he was like the boss, and then he disappeared, and I thought Grandma took over for him. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, yeah. So but at the end, they like revealed that he's alive. Yeah. Right, because they thought he was dead, and they 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 revealed that he's alive. But it, it was so funny, like that's the end of the book. It's like this big reveal, and I'm like, I don't, we don't know him. Right. <laughs> it's a little we we, we only know him from Quell's memories. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, so that, it was uh, that didn't make it meaningful to me as she's no. thought about him a few times. But, you know, there's your answer. There's your answer for grandma. Right. I mean, for grandmother, that's that's our next bad guy. Right. Uh, 
And I'm sure that's where we'll kind of see Quill once she finds out he's alive. You yeah. know, the guy she really had loyalty to. If he says, come on back, what'll happen? I mean, we know yeah. what'll happen. <laughs> it's Star Wars. <laughs> it's They're, not gonna it's They're not going to do anything crazy. <laughs> it's heroic fiction. We know what's going to happen. Um, like, at the end of the day, we know what's going to happen. Uh, this isn't The Last of Us. Um <laughs> Where I, I still didn't know, but if, if you haven't played Last of Us Two yet, you, you should. Um, but boy, get ready. Um, it'll 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 wreck your weekend. Uh, okay, cool. Anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah. I mean, I like I did like the comics. I remember being a little underwhelmed by them, but uh, going back and reading them for this, I liked the context that they gave me at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I oh, would oh. like them if I'd gotten more context about the people because that's what I was expecting when I went to the comics was oh these comics will tell me more about the Imperials they're actually fighting oh wait no it doesn't yeah I mean you get a little bit about you know they have you know just like real people they have relationships and problems with each other and stuff and everything um I had a I little just bit thought, I just thought as a tie-in it would be a little more of a tie-in well I did agree I thought it'd be more of a tie-in uh-huh. uh uh, grandmother is probably the biggest character that crosses over. Um, I will say if you're a fan of this stuff, though, check out if everyone's seen the X-Wing short film. Have you ever seen this? It's a it's an X-Wing short film that's basically created kind of an anime style. It has no dialogue in it. It's available readily online and it's amazing. And um, it's just like a little four minute film about an X-Wing squadron or sorry, about a TIE fighter squadron. And it's just it's just called TIE Fighter and it looks kind of anime ish. But what's really cool about it is, you know, there's shots in the comic where you see their faces and you see kind of see the outline of their helmet around them. But you still see their faces. They do that in that cartoon. And this was before the um, this is a fan movie, by the way. It's not an official thing. It's a fan film. But they do a really good job of kind of making the helmets transparent for character moments in the same way that the comic does. But I highly recommend TIE Fighter. I think if you just Google TIE Fighter on YouTube, you'll find it. It's a cool little fan film. Speaking of, I was extremely confused in the comic. I was like, what are these weird like translucent bubbles around their heads? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so you can see their faces. Yeah, it's 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 like how we're, you know, somehow they got a camera in Tony Stark's helmet, you know, it's in, so we can see Iron Man's face, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's the same type of thing, but it, uh, it made sense once I figured it out. But for a minute, I was super confused. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it's it takes a minute to get used to. It was kind of like that with the Tie Fighter. Um, uh, let's see, it's Tie Fighter short film is it actually still on Google? Yeah, it's like seven minutes long. There's a remastered of a version of it now, so it's really cool. Okay, yeah. are we good? So, so uh, what our general? What's our general? We like the book? I like it. I had problems with it. I liked it. I liked the stuff it did. I just wish I cared more about the characters and didn't have to have a trilogy of books to get to care about the characters. But I will read the next book because I do want to see what happens, even though, you know, there's obviously not going to be any huge surprises unless Pyros turns out to be somebody crazy. Yeah, I I really liked it. Um, like we've talked about, I think it's going to read better almost. And Aftermath is the same way. Being able to read 
all three together and seeing the whole story, I think is going to help with some of those issues. Um, so I'm really looking forward to reading the next two. I thought it, um, I liked the first couple of chapters because I really enjoyed Trader's remorse and that idea. And then I kind of lost interest. And then until the end of the first part, this book's divided into two parts, right? Two books basically. And then at the beginning of the sec, I believe the first two words of the uh, of the second second section are Harris and Dula. <laughs> like the sentence starts with those two words, or may say General Harris and Dula, whatever. And I all of a sudden got interested. And even though she's not a major character, she's in it enough. And sometimes I need a little bit of that anchor to uh to make me to care about the new characters unless they're spectacular um and so having Hera there uh, uh i was just as interested in figuring out what Hera was like during this time <laughs> as i was and wondering where jason was um yeah. there is yet to be a mention of of, of jason sandula outside of the finale of rebels he hasn't been mentioned yet um other than he's clearly flying the ghost at the battle of Exegol and I'll take no, <laughs> I'll take no other answers that Jason sent was flying that thing. Um, but I, I enjoy it. I said, I, I assume, same opinion as Beth. Like I, I started off and, eh, but I like the back half of it so much, uh, that I'm definitely excited to jump into Shadowfall. Uh-huh. but not yet. Not going to jump into Shadowfall yet because we're going to read something else next week. Beth, what are we doing for next episode? For the next episode, uh, we're going to stay on brand with me, I guess, and uh, get back into Obi-Wan. So we are going to go back to another Legends book, which you guys will be able to debate me on this next time, that I think should be canon, and only found one reason it couldn't be canon, and that is the Legends book Kenobi. Uh And Craig, this is one of the last Legends books, isn't it? It is. Yeah, by uh, John Jackson Miller, who um, wrote a lot of comics for for uh, the Expanded Universe, and I believe also wrote the uh, Lost Tribe of the Sith uh, series of novellas uh, before this. But uh, John Jackson Miller's written a lot of Star Wars stuff. And um, uh, I think, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to talk about Kenobi. I'm a fan of the book, too. Yeah, so Shwek, finish that up. Oh, I finished uh, it. Okay, good. I have to go back through it, but uh, I really did like it. And yeah, I think it was in the last few years before the sale. Um, I don't know if it's the last one or not. Yeah, I think it's pretty close. close. Yeah, it's it's along lines of like Darth Plagueis. It's it's pretty damn close. Yeah, and it was a book I remember when it came out. uh, Not as much as Darth Plagueis, but almost that I really that was I really wanted this book. Because I remember recommending it to you guys and finding out that it wasn't canon and being extremely surprised because, like I said, I I can really only find maybe one good reason that it isn't canon. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, just to try to convince read- or listeners if they want to listen to it, when you're imagining what the Kenobi show is going to be, this is probably going to be pretty close. Yep. At least at least in tone and setting. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, the story will probably be different, but the tone and the setting are uh, are very similar. And I think uh, what they were saying, I mean, you and McGregor still talking about the show. So it's oh, not yeah. it's not they're talking about the technology they're using and they're using the same uh, virtual set technology that they use in the Mandalorian. Oh, uh, 
It's so beautiful. So uh, they they he he was excited that they were doing that. So they're still they're still doing it. Um, I mean they're not shooting currently, or maybe they're getting back to it. But um, yeah, I mean we're all Obi Wan fans. So and uh, yeah, I like the book. Should be cool. And uh, if you haven't watched the Star Wars Gallery of Mandalorian, please do so because that show is amazing. I still haven't. Oh my god. I know. I know. I've been watching Muppet stuff. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. So until next time, everybody, stay safe, stay at home if you can, and wear. Stay home. Wear. Wear a mask. Wear mask. Wear your Tie Fighter helmet. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) <laughs> I saw somebody with a full-on like steampunk gas mask last night, and it was a little overkill. But I'm like, you know what? That's fine. Whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye.